gear up as Cash Miller and his team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Welcome to Marketing Masters, the Agency Power Show. Hello, everyone. My name is Cash Miller. I'm the host of Marketing Masters, CEO of Titan Digital. Today, I've got with me Mark Osborne. He is Modern Revenue Strategies. He's a fractional CMO that works with a bunch of different businesses and helping put things together. Mark, it's great to have you on. Tell us a bit about what you do. Fractional CMO is like, you know, that's a, that's a newer term in the marketing space. That's right. Thanks for having me, Cash. It's uh, really a pleasure to be here. Uh, as you and I were actually chatting about before the show, you know, I've uh, been working with, you know, helping B2B, often SaaS, tech, and uh, B2B services firms that are navigating like long sales cycles and complex buying committees for large contracts. That's most of who I work with, but that fractional CMO role, you know, there are a lot of marketing consultants that will sort of they're a hired gun. They'll come in and they'll put together a plan and then they'll go away or they'll they'll come in, they'll, you know, do this or that and then go away. The the fractional CMOs and, and what's changed a little bit as this term has come into popularity is it's a little more ownership and it's a little more uh, working with, you know, CEOs or even sales leaders at early stage companies to define a vision for where you want to go and then to lay out, you know, even a two-year plan and a long-term roadmap about how to get there. And then to sort of work on, well, what are those projects that we then need to shoot down uh, and, and get done in order to, you know, punch out and, and move down that path. But uh, it's really interesting to work with companies and see them grow over time uh, and not just sort of come in, do a project and then run away. Yeah. Well, today we've got, you know, we're going we're gonna to be talking about guerrilla um, marketing to some extent, because like everybody over the years has, you know, heard uh, of guerrilla marketing. Um, was it, I think is duct tape marketing or something that, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, first came along and, you know, has produced, I don't know how many books, you know, that have told you how to do this. You know, let's start off um, kind of for the audience to find what guerrilla marketing is as you see it. For sure. Yeah. And, and I actually, I talk about this some in my book, and uh, I think you mentioned that earlier, and uh, there'll be some links, but in the B2B space, you know, oftentimes it's, it's really about building trust and credibility. Uh, and the way that a lot of brands build that trust and credibility is just by sort of constantly pounding commercials uh, yeah. or constantly making brand impressions. Sure. And that does, that repetition does build trust. Uh, but it's also really expensive. Uh, mm -hmm. And I have found that there are other ways to build trust that are a lot less expensive in the B2B space, but it requires a little more creativity, a little more innovation. It starts with sort of a system and a, a process for understanding your customers. And so we work with our clients to build out ideal customer profiles for tier one, two, and three, and then building out like a a buyer persona or buyer avatar for decision makers and champions and influencers that they're going to interact with as part of a sales process. And then to really map out the decision uh, journey and that those customers go through and the informational needs that they have at each stage. And once you have a system that allows you to really understand customers like this, you start to see really innovative ways that you can insert mm -hmm. your business 
into their process of becoming aware of issues that they have, of evaluating different ways to solve those issues, of evaluating different vendors that solve it in one of or more of those ways. And uh, that sort of presents lots of different, more guerrilla marketing techniques. And I find it's a, a really good partner with you know, account-based marketing strategies where you're really defining a, a small set of your most important customers, those mm-hmm. tier one ideal customers and really sort of known decision makers where you can really understand who they are and what their life looks like. You can then start to get really creative and find guerrilla ways of influencing mm-hmm. their decision making and uh, sort of advancing your company's point of view uh, about the sort of the informational needs that they have at each stage of that decision making. Yeah. Okay. So this episode, we're going to do something a little different that we normally don't do because you have some experience um, that we want to be able to kind of share. Um, in the case, in this case, it's a baking company, right? That that you. Well, it wasn't with. a baking company. It was okay. a baking solution. Baking solution. Uh, okay. That's right. So. So for this episode, like I say, normally we don't do this, but this will be kind of fun because I want to walk through the process for people to really understand, you know, how this can actually come about. And you put together a guerrilla marketing campaign. We want to use, you know, the baking solution, you know, that you ended up coming up, you know, up with and taking them through. So we want to take the listeners through what this kind of a journey looks like, because when you're doing guerrilla marketing, like there's a lot of pieces to it. You know, it, the idea is that it can be lower cost. It doesn't mean it's not, it's less work though. You know, there's, there's a lot to to go through. So, you know, so get us started, like, you know, um, how did this like come about and, you know, and what inspired the shift to say, Hey, let's go the, the guerrilla, you know, marketing campaign route, you know, so that they could get noticed. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I often describe this as the time I baked a hundred cakes, uh, yeah. but it was for a, um, a, a B2B SaaS. Really, it was an advertising technology platform. So okay. this was a company that uh, built a software that used machine learning and artificial intelligence to analyze all of the data on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram okay. to predict those customers that were going to be most likely to respond to those ads. Okay. Uh, so something that's kind of you know interesting, but very sort of technical and could be a little bit boring. So this mm-hmm. was in the early stages of you know Facebook and Instagram and Twitter accepting ads. Uh, and there was a lot of venture capital funded uh, competitors in this space. Okay. Uh, people that, you know, had hundreds of millions of dollars to spend on advertising and uh, on sponsoring, uh, you know, conferences and on going yeah. directly to CMOs at major brands. And so they could swap you. A, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and essentially giving the service away for free to yeah. those really big marquee uh, logos that they mm-hmm. would then buy a lot of ads saying, well, you know, Coca-Cola is now using our service. So you should, too. So. I was working for a smaller competitor, but someone's still in that space. Our our advertising budgets were nowhere near what the competitors were. And so we we thought, you know, how do we get creative? How do we come up with a guerrilla campaign that can allow us to, uh, you know, really cut through in in light of all these different things? And so the first step uh, was really looking at, you know, what is our ideal customer? looking at where have we had the most success. Uh, and we looked at, you know, sort of 
those top billing customers within our uh, sort of list of customers and those that were the happiest with our services that were renewing and that were happy to sort of give, you know, testimonials and referrals and all of those things. And we noticed that although all of our competitors had gone straight to CMOs or senior vice presidents of media at large brands, uh, we had actually found a niche working specifically within uh, advertising agencies uh, and sort of facilitating advertising agencies that were making lots of these media buys uh, and making it mm. easy for them to do. And so we looked at what's different about the needs of advertising agencies than the needs of the direct brands. And then what are the unique aspects of our solution that makes it better suited to that? And so that actually started to guide how we were building the solution going forward yeah, uh, yeah. once we had started to sort of identify that. And yeah. then that allowed us to really start to dig in on what do the people at the agencies care about uh, that, that the brands don't and that our competitors are ignoring uh, about them. And that's what started us down that path. Of, uh, of coming up with some guerrilla ways to really uh, understand them and, and get in front of them. Well, yeah, you, you start to go for the niche. You, advert, you, you identify one, and then you, you say, okay, well, we have this particular product that we think if we tailor a little bit. So those other bigger competitors are saying, we're just going to keep it kind of broad That's for right. as many people as possible to use. You said, okay, we can't compete against that. So let's take a segment that we can, but then we'll customize it more. Yeah. Um, to be able to go, you know, if we tailor it to them, then we're going to be able to attract more business, at least from that area. And we won't need the huge ad spend because That's we're not right. trying to be everything to everybody. That's right. Yeah. You know, I, in the, um, in the marketing space, I've always told, you know, like there's a lot of, um, you know, in, Agencies are often encouraged to go after different niches, you know, so that they can, you know, specialize because what happens when you do that, um, and I, you know, because we've got a couple of concentrations too, where we've got more clients, you learn, it's kind of like you learn the lingo. That's right. You, know, you get, you eventually can speak their language because you're so invested in it and that, and they know that you're tailoring the solution to them. You're more likely to also listen to them. Yeah, on what they need and stuff. And so that's very attractive on their end. Yeah. And it also, it creates a really nice, you know, sort of long-term synergy. And in the B2B space where I spend uh, my time, you know, companies want to choose a partner that they can work with for a long time because the, the procurement process can be mm -hmm. really, you know, burdensome. And you want to pick someone that's got their interests are aligned with you so that you're sort of always growing together. Uh, so that yeah. the things that the, they care about are the things that you care about rather than if, you know, you're serving a, a niche over here and, and they're over here. Well, you might go in a direction that's not really aligned with with the direction they're going. So that was a that's been a really powerful insight that's impacted a lot of different companies that I've worked with is yeah. that understanding of picking a, a particular market. Now, ad agencies are are not a small, you know, sort of obscure, no, yeah. uh, you know, product uh, or, you know, sort of customer group. But by making that choice to go specifically after ad agencies, instead of uh, after you know, everyone that buys ads on Facebook, uh, the company really started to carve out, you know, a particular 
uh, space. So once we had identified that white space in the market, we started to then think, well, what do we know about ad agencies? And so uh -huh. that we could then develop, you know, again, product features uh, and sort of experiential attributes that sort of informed not only the brand, but the product itself. Right. Uh, and then as we thought, you know, how do we get in front of them? Uh, one of the things that, and I'm sure you know this uh, through your agency work, is that uh, people at agencies tend to spend a lot of a lot of long hours, and a lot of yeah. long days, uh, and they don't always get a chance to get away from their desk or their office to go out to eat. So mm -hmm. food tends to be a pretty welcome uh, <laughs> treat for agencies. And so yeah. as we as we understood that, we thought, well, how do we use that knowledge about our our uh, you know buyer personas or avatars to really sort of influence their the decision making, and so that's where we aligned on this idea of baking a hundred cakes. So mm -hmm. we aligned on our top uh, you know sort of ideal customers, okay. uh, and then we baked. We actually had custom cakes made with their logos on it. One of the positions that we came up with was we make you shine to your customers because agencies are always worried about being upstaged by one of their partners. We put you in the spotlight. And so the, the imagery was all about spotlights on their logo uh, and then said, learn more about how our solution can help you shine for your clients as you buy, uh, you know, as you place ads on social media. We had all these cakes delivered to coincide with a, a press release. Uh, that we put out talking about some of the new features that we had launched specifically for mm. uh, ad agencies. Uh, then we had a you know an email and a phone call campaign that aligned with it, supported by a webinar, uh, and that, and that's how you know baking a hundred cakes led to a lot of B two B success. Mm. Yeah, so I mean that's really like <laughs> drilling down into it. And saying, hey, you know, how do we really reach these people? And the thing is, is if you're successful in that particular space, then and you do want to get beyond that one, you can find similar right. industries. So you you That's stay right. focused and then eventually, you know, because some markets you kind of get, you know, you might hit a wall, you know, of just, you know, it's harder to grow beyond because you've gotten as, uh, you know, every industry is only so big. But if you find similar attributes in other industries that go with that same tailoring, you know, That's right. well, you can find that there's a lot of crossover and then you suddenly have another vertical to work with, with only slight adjustments. That's right. It, so I think it's in crossing the chasm, which is a great book. I highly recommend uh, for your audience to read, but they talk about it as a, like a bowling pin strategy. Mm -hmm. So if you think about bowling pins, knock over the other bowling pins. Yeah. So if you can take down the, the first one, it'll help knock down the others. And so I've done that a lot of times of sort of recognizing either industries that are similar to each other, you know, like finance and insurance and, you know, other, you know, sort of things like that, or they at least have similar characteristics. And so uh, you can leverage your expertise with navigating certain market dynamics mm -hmm. to move into other markets and then still, you know, uh, have sort of that, that transferable expertise. Let me ask you, when you were starting to put that campaign together, did you experience any pushback within the organization itself? Because, you know, that kind of campaign, for one, it is, there are a lot of pieces to it to get it to work. And like I say, it's literally a hundred cakes, you know, um, you know, so you have a number of parts to it that have to be put together. 
they've got to kind of work in a certain, you know, order. You've got to get them to change the product some, you know, That's eventually, right. you know, so there, I would think that there's pushback there because you're saying, hey, you know, you're convincing them to say, instead of going mass market, you're going to, you're running head on against these people if you try this. But if we went after this area only, and if you're willing to tailor the product, you know, a little bit to them, you could have a lot of success, but there's going to be resistance upon the, you know, from the people I would think, you know, that, that, you know, are the owners of that product, you know, the company founders, you know, whoever's in charge, you would think that there might be some pushback, you know, you got to convince them of this. So that's a really astute observation. And yeah, you know, it's, it's funny as, as we were sort of pitching, putting together this idea and, and pitching it, you know, the, the, the one of the angel investors was like, well, at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, you know, you just made a bunch of cakes. He's like, but, <laughs> if we, but if we spend all that money on ads and it, and it doesn't work, at least we put our name out there. At least we bought ads yeah. and, you know, sort of popular advertisements. And I said, well, what have you been doing? He said, well, we've been buying ads and, you know, trying to keep. And I was like, and how has that worked? Uh, yeah. Well, not not the way we want it. And I said, well, you keep doing the same things. You're going to keep getting the same results. Uh, and, yeah. and then what I you know, the the way that we allayed those fears is um, I'm a big believer in systems and, you know, systems set you free. Mm-hmm. And we've developed a system for you know, analyzing that ideal customer and then understanding the uh, the personas and avatars of those different buyers, influencers, and champions, and then analyzing their customer journey so that by the time you get to where you're making what seems like a crazy choice of let's bake a hundred cakes and send them out. Uh, and it's, it really starts to make a lot of sense and, and people start to go, well, you know, I, I kind of believe it's going to work. Whereas Throwing more money into advertising, sometimes you start to wonder, will that ever work? Uh, and it starts yeah. to be easier to trust something that you've gone through this really uh, regimented system and, and you've got a process in place to understand and lead to those insights. And then a little dash of creativity yeah. is you know, the icing on top. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. You know, let, let's talk about, you know, a bit of the outcome. Too, you know, so you get this campaign in place. Yeah, it's you start to see the results. I, I really would love to see what the advertising agencies thought of the, you know, when a cake shows up. <laughs> yeah, you know, but like, what was the end result of going along this, you know, path for the company, and also like the time frame that it took from the development stage to, you know, actually rolling it out, you know and starting to see a return on it. Yeah. So this campaign was, was really focused. Uh, so the whole thing from, uh, it, it really began with, what do we do? You know, like, here's our problem. We can't outspend our competitors. We yeah. need, we need to do something different. And what is that something different? Uh, and also they, they couldn't afford to hire a big, you know, bank of outbound callers that were just going to call people all day long. And um, and so we looked at all those options and what we figured was what we really need to do is to tighten up on, a, you know, a tighter niche to have a really powerful message that's much more compelling mm-hmm. and then to take that message to the marketplace in a, in a way that uh, is interesting. So we aligned on that as 
That's the approach. And so that started to, you know, knock the dominoes over for that angel investor where he's like, all right, I agree that that's smarter than us just spending more money on ads. Yeah. So then once we aligned on, okay, well, what's that unique niche? What's that white space in the market? Well, it's agencies and here's why it's agencies and here's the market potential that agencies represent. That knocked over another dom domino with that right. angel investor. So he's like, all right, now I get it. And well, how do we reach agencies? Well, they spend a lot of time at their desk. We could deliver things to them. What's the thing that we could deliver? Uh, and, you know, we played around with lots of ideas, but, you know, based on our research and insight about that customer, we landed on cakes. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it's sort of each stage of the process we validated, but the whole thing we executed in about six weeks. Uh, uh, so we did that research. We came up with that positioning. Uh, we uh, sort of crafted the, the outbound strategy and the messaging, picked those targets. And, and the, actually, we did a uh, sort of a timed release where every cake was delivered at the exact same time uh, hmm. all around the country. Uh, not now, exact same time by time zone, but uh, it essentially hit. You know, starting at noon and and the eastern yeah, time right. zone, and then uh, moving across the west coast, and then we had sort of like a, a call jam uh, to all of those folks. So they they got the cake, they got a call. We also timed a press release, uh, and we leveraged some sort of collaborators and partners in the space where they were you know sort of talking about it too, so that it it made a stir. And again, it took you know what would have made a ripple to actually make a wave, uh, which led to closing a couple more agencies uh, in the space, which led to us then, you know, sort of promoting that and talking about how we were the leading provider of this type of solution for ad agencies now, hmm. uh, which ultimately led to a successful exit for the company uh, to wow. a, um, you know, it wasn't solely on that, it, that, you know, they were doing a lot of good work for a lot of uh, good people. Uh, and that led to that. But it crafted a, a narrative that started to help them stand out from their competition that was, you know, much larger and, and, and spending outspending them in many, many ways, but made them meaningful and relevant to the marketplace with even less market share and less expenditure. Hmm. Did, um, you know, going through that process, like for one, so the, the six weeks was good for, from a standpoint of getting going, how long did it take to start seeing a result once the actual campaign had gotten yeah. off the ground? That's right. Well, so once the, you know, really success for that six weeks was getting appointments, uh, yeah. and, and it was typically sort of about a six week, uh, sales cycle to get, um, you know, to get a, a point of, you know, proof of concept, uh, sort mm -hmm. of an initial engagement going. So all told was about 90 days, but we wound up uh, doubling revenues over the course of that 90 days. That's uh, so really six weeks to execute the campaign and, and actually brought them to their first, you know, $500,000 month, uh, mm -hmm. which was a big, a big achievement for them at the, at the time. And then, you know, sort of laid the groundwork for ongoing growth. Um, which you know sort of led to that, but um, it wasn't you know the only thing going on. But we also built in you know sort of a KPI scorecard. Again, I'm big on systems, yeah. uh, and, and systems need uh, outcomes to optimize against. Uh, and so we built a KPI scorecard of well, what does success for phase one look like? 
well, it looks like, you know, getting responses to our outbound outreach of, yeah, we received the cake. Thank you. And then it was booking appointments to talk about. And then it was scheduling demos. And then it was, uh, you know, setting up proof of concept engagements. And then it was, you know, long-term contracts. And so we tracked and optimized at each stage of that over that, you know, sort of secondary six-week cycle for that, you know, second half of that 90-day sprint. Did you end up repeating a campaign after that 90 days had been completed and attempting it again with like a different, you know, set of targets, of course, because, you know, if you had 100 cakes, well, it's 100 agencies, so you can That's find right. another 100 agencies. Yeah. So we did subsequent campaigns, but not at that level. We actually found, so the secondary niche that we looked at uh, was within the film industry. Uh, because they also had a lot of entertainment clients, both through their agency partnerships as well as uh, some direct relationships. Yeah. Um, and we actually leveraged South by Southwest uh, okay. because we had a lot, they had a lot of, uh, you know, sort of relationships there. Um, they could use that and again, do something really unique that uh, other people couldn't do uh, and identify, well, a lot of these decision makers from this industry are going to be there. They created, we created some content specific to uh, leveraging their tool and their platform for advertising entertainment properties. Uh, and then we did a specific sort of backstage event at South by Southwest that other people yeah. get, get access to, uh, which really sort of, again, was guerrilla marketing, but through the lens of a very systemized process so that it didn't feel really that out there by the time we got there because they had really, we had really done all the analysis on. Who is it we're going after? Why are we special to those people? What do they care about? How do we reach them in a way that's unique and special? Yeah. Were there any, you know, through that journey of crafting that campaign, were there any missteps or things that you would have done, you know, in hindsight, you know, done yeah. differently when you were going through it? For sure. Uh, and, you know, there are, there are always... You you know the, the, what's the yeah. Monday morning quarterbacking or <laughs> yeah right Titus twenty yeah arm, armchair general yeah that's right <laughs> that's right um, so there's always things that you would do different I I find that the for for us what has worked well is this idea of a system uh, and a process because then at each stage of the process you can you know sort of say we're making a bet. But we, you know, we've done the research to sort of uh, get us to this stage of the bat. And if you think about it, you know, from making bets like counting cards, like you're paying attention to the cards coming out of the deck, and you know that, you know, there's a lot of face cards left in the deck. You can make a bigger bet because you've done the research. You know that uh, this is this is a high probability of success, but it's still probabilistic. No success is guaranteed. Uh, and so like we have certainly, you know, executed campaigns like this that weren't as successful. Uh, but by building it based on a system, we can then sort of say, well, what was it about the system that failed us uh, rather than, you know, you know, what was it that that, you know, you were bad? Uh, and, and so yeah. we actually did uh, a campaign working with another company where uh, we actually paid for a really expensive uh, guest on a, on a webinar that we were going to host and do a live event. And we thought it was going to generate a lot of interest and a lot of people would show up and it was going to lead to lots of engagement that would lead to lots of 
sales, but mm. uh, the, the webinar itself was a bit of a dud. And then we thought, <laughs> well, certainly we'll be able to use this content to you know, generate. And, and basically, we just hadn't followed our process well enough. We didn't really understand the content that our audience cared about. And, and that person just didn't resonate with the audience. But as we looked back on it, it was sort of easy to sort of pinpoint, you know, as we thought about who our you know, buyer personas were and how they fulfilled their informational needs on their customer journey, yeah. we had a misalignment. We thought they would care about this person's opinion uh, for evaluating these type of product, and, and ultimately they didn't. And so that was sort of a failure in the process, but it allowed us to, to learn a lot from it and, and to have some successful follow-on campaigns. Yeah, there's, you know, not every campaign is going to work, but I think, you know, the the lesson is, is the process itself, you know, right. having, having that, you know, a good, well thought out process for how you're going to handle everything from the beginning to the end stage. You know, I've talked with a, a few people over time, like even having marketing and sales and alignment. So if this works, how are you going to handle it on the sales end, you know, to be right. able to do proper follow up? It's like, you can have a great marketing campaign, but the sales they don't do their part because you even mentioned, you know, that it could take six weeks, you know, four to six weeks or something to close the actual deal. Well, that's yeah. somebody working that account, you know, at that point. Um, so you want to make sure that your process is well thought out. Um, you're willing to tweak it if you run, especially multiple campaigns uh, right. and know that if you don't have everything in alignment, you can really end up, you know, I, it could be a dud. <laughs> well, and that's why we always really work to bring together. We call it a revenue team. So you've got your marketing, your sales and customer success, which yeah. sometimes they get lift, left out of that uh, piece of the puzzle. But they often, especially in the B2B sort of SaaS tech services space, they know so much about what your customers wind yeah. up really valuing and what leads to renewals, upsells, referrals and, and testimonials. And so yep. by bringing all the folks together and what we usually recommend for our clients is what we call a revenue scorecard. So it, it's got sort of volume of, you know, opportunity leads. It's got volume of opportunities, but it's also got, you know, percentage of sales as well as percentage of renewals. So that yep. all that complete picture of the customer is captured, maybe weight it differently for people in different uh, parts of the organization so that they have more impact on the things that make more impact into their uh, bottom line. But if everyone's aligned on this is what we care about, that's how you get really sort of transformation in the organization and really creating a lot of alignment, again, by building systems instead of just, you know, how are you going to do it? And then wagging your finger at that person when uh, they don't achieve their goals. The system allows everyone to really collaborate and it removes a lot of barriers or sort of self-conscious or, you know, being worried about being blamed where we're yeah. all collaborating on the system together. Uh, and that system is growing the overall organization. And I get, you know, sort of fairly compensated or I get my pats on the back for doing a good job for my team. But I also care about the success across that revenue team. Yeah. Well, on that note, because that's a good final like stopping point for this episode, because, you know, I think, you know, there's a ton for people to unpack, um, you know, and definitely listen through multiple times to catch everything because there's those systems really matter that you put together. Yeah. Mark, how would people get a hold of you 
um, if they were interested in your services. And of course, you've got your book too. That's right. Yeah. And in fact, I'll give a free copy of my book uh, to the first 50 folks from this podcast that go to modernrevenuestrategies.com slash free download. And not only will they get the book, uh, but that'll include a, a number of calculators and templates so that they can build out these uh, ideal customer profiles and personas and uh, customer journey maps. And then I also f- will follow that up with uh, emails and, and links to hours of training videos, all for free, uh, to walk them through how to you know, sort of develop some of these um, you know, positioning statements and the things that will really help them resonate with the marketplace. Yeah. Uh, but start there. Uh, would love to get feedback from any of your listeners on, on that book. Uh, and they can reach me at Mark at modernrevenuestrategies.com. Uh, and, and I'll actually follow up with uh, anyone that gets the download from this uh, thing and ask them how they like it. Okay. Well, this has been another great episode. My name's Cash Miller. I'm the host of Marketing Master, CEO of Titan Digital. We've been talking about guerrilla marketing, really going through, you know, laying out what that can look like from a process standpoint and from an execution standpoint, you know, have proper expectations, know that there is work, but you know, you have ways of reaching new clients, you know, especially if you're competing with some big players in your own industry and you've got to figure out, you know, ways to kind of work around that because you don't have the same kind of budget. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning into Marketing Masters, the agency power show. This show is produced by Titan Media Works and is a part of the Small Business Delivered Podcast Network. Check out smallbusinessdelivered.com for more info about upcoming shows, hosts, programs, and how you can start your very own podcast.